good to see your faces. My name is Meredith. My husband Claude and I are the lead pastors of this wonderful church. I'm going to put my glasses on or I missed some notes on this thing. Uh, just a warm welcome to everyone in the room today, as well as those of you joining us online or watching or listening later in the week. We're so sorry to hear many of you have the flu, apparently, that's going around. Uh, I hope that's not you if you're watching online, but if it is, we're so glad that you could join us in this way. It's so good to be together today. Um, last week, well, these past few weeks, we've been talking about community. We've had such good conversations um, about the message last week, and um, in circles, we've had a great conversation. And uh, for those of you that are remember the application, it was, how will I bless someone connected to Centerway this week? And it has been incredible um, to see how you guys have been intentional about applying the text and blessing one another. The reports of things coming in and the encouragement has just been great. And of course, so much of our focus as a church is outside of the four walls, right? But um, to see how you guys are taking care of each other, which is also a biblical mandate, has been really, really cool. Um, so just want to cheer you on and continuing to apply the text week after week. It does require something of us, and it ends up um, just blessing all of us or those are all around us. Um, so first, welcome to any guests in the room. Um, we're, we're so happy to see your face. We know that visiting a church for the first time, even if you're online, can be a little bit intimidating. Any way that we can serve you, we hope to do so. Just let us know. Uh, we'd love for you to share your information with us. Um, and if you have any information just to update, you could also do that. There are info cards in the back and out in the lobby at the um, the info table, the next steps, next steps table out there. I always say that weird. Um, anyway, I think I'm just talking too fast, but <laughs> let's just relax a minute, take it in, enjoy the fact that we're together. I need to tell myself that. Um, but yeah, share your information. Um, there's two ways, like I said, you have the, the info cards, or you can um, do that electronically via an app that we use called the Bible app or the Uversion app. There's instructions on the street screen how to engage that app. Um, you can also use that app to uh, follow along the message today, take notes. Um, you can also give on there if you're interested in giving any other ways. You can give in the offering box in the back or online. There's a give tab on our website. And just so you know, the give tab for um, the Convoy of Hope Ukraine Relief is still up on our website if anybody continues to be interested to give. We're just so thankful for such a generous church that cares about people that we'll never meet, right? But um, we're so thankful we could be in the hands and feet of Jesus all over the world. If you have any questions throughout the week, if you have feedback to give us, uh, we'd love that. If you have ideas or need prayer, just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com and we'll be happy to connect with you that way. Um, some other ways to connect and engage throughout the week. We have wallpapers that, um, like I already said at the beginning of this, um, when we have those application questions, sometimes it's just a good reminder on your phone or on your desktop to uh, see that question and help you remember to apply the text throughout the week. Those wallpapers help to do that. Um, Spotify playlist, and I just want to point this out. I had a number of people reach out to me and say, what were the songs we sang last week? And they're always on our Spotify playlist. So, I mean, you can still always text any of us and, and ask. But, um, but they are on our Spotify playlist. You can listen to them throughout the week. Um, you can connect with us on social media. We post there occasionally. And our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, such a good way to continue engaging the text. It takes you deeper into the Greek and just um, encouragement. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's so good. You can find those on the website or you can subscribe to them and get them right into your inbox. Um, just visit the messages page of the website to do any of those things and to access all those resources. Um, you can also take next steps if you're looking to grow. You can serve. That's such a good way to grow. You can get spiritually coached, be water baptized. Um, we're talking a lot about that. Some of you have expressed interest. And um, becoming a center race steward, we're looking to have a clarity workshop coming up soon. So more on that. Um, just check out the next steps booth in the lobby after our gathering or the next steps tab of our website. Um, just one more thing to note. This coming Wednesday is our vision meeting. 
Um, now, we are likely to have vision meetings throughout the year, just kind of a reminder of what we're all about for the year and um, to pray together and worship together. This one happens to include some annual business items, so it's very much geared towards our Centerway stewards, but anyone is welcome to come. If you need childcare for that, our kids' team, so they can be in here, will not be providing childcare, but we're lining up some responsible teenagers um, to kind of cover that. But we need to know if that's if that's necessary. So just let us know. Um, but again, that's our vision meeting this Wednesday right here at Willowbrook, 7 p.m. We're going to pray together, worship together, take communion, and you're going to hear some exciting things coming up. Um, so you are all welcome to come. Again, geared towards stewards, but anybody is welcome. So here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Uh, oh, I almost read the name of the person, somebody that uh, was supposed to be scripture is sick. I'm so sorry that you're sick today, but Priscilla is filling in. Thank you so much for doing that last minute. Priscilla's going to be reading our scripture text today out of Ephesians. Claude's going to be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll come back up and respond uh, to the word by singing. So let's pray together. God, we give you praise that we get to be together. We give you praise that we get to be in your house, that we get to be um, in community with each other. And that we get to be part of your design uh, for life and fullness of life. Help us to be immersed in gospel-centered community. And most of all, help us to receive your word with gladness today. And help, your, um, and, and help us to hear your word fully and respond to it fully and apply the text all throughout the week. We give you praise. And Jesus, we just lift up your name in this place. You are worthy and greatly to be praised. This morning from Ephesians verses 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Thanks, Priscilla. Thanks for stepping up and filling in, too. You did great. We're continuing uh, our series, Walk With Me. And today's message is entitled, uh, Loved, so Walk With Me Loved. And um, as was already mentioned by Meredith last week, was actually um, unexpectedly even a little emotional and um, in the best way possible. And uh, it's been incredible to hear um, how we've all been intentionally blessing and loving one another. And so I just want to echo what Meredith said, to just keep on doing it, keep on loving each other. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, we're going to continue in Chapter 3 of Ephesians. And I want to start with a story um, that uh, harkens back to when we, our three children were wee little lassies and lad. Um, uh, as you all know, I assume Meredith uh, loves to sing and is rather good at it. And so one of the things that we would do um, when we would put them to bed when they were younger is uh, I would, we would go in and we'd all pray together. Uh, and then I would leave and Meredith would remain and kind of sing to them. And... Uh, I don't know why they didn't want me to sing to them. <laughs> but uh, I would leave, and they would thank me. 
Um, and so she would remain and sing. And one of the things that we do, I'm actually a coffee drinker, but I do enjoy uh, a quality cup of tea from time to time. So I, what was our kind of rhythm is I would go out and I'd start heating up the water uh, so that we could have a cup of tea when she came out. Once she was done kind of singing to them, then uh, we would join at the couch and we'd just kind of catch up with our lives and the craziness of the day, that type of thing. And so I was in there one day and I shared this story. We had the opportunity to speak at some uh, marriage conferences. And so I, this story might sound familiar if you've ever attended one of those. But um, as I was going out there one night, I'm heating up the water and um, I see some dishes in the sink. Now, if I had to say, it, it's more typical that um, that I would do the lion's share of the dishes. is kind of like the rhythm of our family, I would say, not because of anything other than I don't, I just don't care and I'll do them. So um, I looked at the sink and there were some dishes in there and she had been doing them uh, that evening. And so I thought, you know what? Um, I'm just going to finish the dishes while the water's heating up. And so I go over and I start doing the dishes. And uh, as I'm finishing up the dishes, she comes up behind me and she goes, oh, babe, you don't have to do the dishes. Like, let's just sit down and relax. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. So she starts rubbing my back. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I'll do the dishes. (laughs) Want me to do the dishes? I mean, Oh, shucks. And uh, she's like, oh, I really appreciate it. It's been such a long day. It's great that, you know, that you're doing this for me. I'm like, no problem. I will finish the dishes. And uh, so the next day, much like a well-trained puppy, I was like, hey, I should probably do the dishes again. Maybe she'll come rub my back again. And so she's in there singing to the kids. I, like, real quick fill up the water. And I'm like, oh, the dishes, wow. And so I'm doing the dishes. And she comes in. And sure enough, she kind of puts her arms around my waist. I'm like, how are you doing? And she's like, pretty good. And uh, so I'm doing some dishes. And uh, the next day goes on, you know, and now I'm dirtying dishes and putting them in the sink. And they're like, yeah, hey, what's going on? You know, and they're just going to take my shirt off and dry these dishes, you know. But, uh... <laughs> In either case, before you picture that, I'll move on. Um, vomit all over the floor. But uh, then it kind of happened. Um, wow, that's not distracting at all. I, I hope we all hear it. If not, somebody should dial 911. Because uh, if I'm the only one hearing that echo, we have a problem. Um, so it happened. Uh, I don't remember how many days went by or whatever, but I'm up at the sink and Meredith comes in and just walks right into the living room and sits down at the couch. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Do the dishes in here? And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so anyway, blah, blah. she's like talking to me. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm doing the dishes. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> what? No back rub? No attention? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I appreciate it. I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. And so what I realized immediately in that moment is that I was loving her with expectation, right? I was doing the dishes because I wanted attention. I was really loving myself. And so the question I want to ask as we move into the text today is this. When you love, what do you expect in return? When you love, what do you expect in return? I want to challenge you to explore this thought more on your own uh, than even in this space because, one, I don't want you to be distracted too much thinking about it as we continue to move on, but also I believe that it deserves greater attention that you might give in a couple of moments at the beginning of a message. Really contemplate what is it that you expect in return when you express love. For right now, I simply want you to realize this, that as humans, we love conditionally and typically with our own benefit in mind. Not just with spouses, uh, but also with friends, with siblings, 
with parents or with our children, right? You might say, no, I love my kid unconditionally until they disrespect you or don't reciprocate the love that you're giving. Then you're like, you get great. Not my children, but uh, your children. So the fact is, it's the condition of reality. You know, it's the condition of the world that we live in. We love conditionally. At the very minimum, we want to feel loved by those that we're expressing love to. There's an expectation there. Now, that doesn't mean that our motives are malicious or that we even always get what it is that we want. It simply means that we love with expectation, like it or not. And it's important that we have an awareness at the very least that we get frustrated when that expectation goes unmet, that there's something that rises up within us, that the frustration that we feel is often attached to the idea that we have expressed love and it's not being reciprocated back to us. That is, unless, unless we determine to love sacrificially with the expectation of nothing in return. Now that's a pretty tall order, and it requires us to modify our behavior rather significantly. It can be exhausting. In fact, eventually, it can even lead to resentment. We say things like this, we give and give and they just take. (laughs) That should sound familiar. That should resonate. The reason why is because we're all in the same boat. You're not alone. As humans, we expect something in return when when we express love. This tension of humanity and how the gospel resolves it is what today's pericope is all about. And we pick up and reread verses 14. The Apostle Paul is speaking here and he says, For this reason I, meaning Paul, bow my knees before the Father. Now if you've been with us, you know, uh, if you've been with us for any time here, you know that verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul starts with a thought. He starts with a thought that begins with, for this reason I. And then all of a sudden he switches topics and he begins to address suffering and unity. Verses 2 through 13, which we just wrapped up last week. And then verse 14 starts with, for this reason, which signifies that he's returning to his thought in verse 1. And the reason why it's kind of important is because he's picking up on the topic that he ended chapter 2 with. He ended chapter 2 with this idea of clarifying his prayer for the readers um, that are reading his letter to be strengthened by God's power. If you remember, chapter 2 ended with this conversation about God's power. And so now he's picking that up and he's talking about how he wants to pray for us to be strengthened with God's power through the Holy Spirit. Now, something culturally significant is happening here in the text. And we might miss it uh, in our modern uh, ears. But he says this, For this reason, I bow my knees. I bow my knees. Typically in that day, people didn't bow to pray. It was not typical for them to pray on their knees. Uh, in fact, typically people in those days prayed standing. So or by articulating that he's praying on his knees, what he's saying is he's having an emotional prayer, that he's praying a prayer fervently that's expressing serious submission. So something is heavy on Paul's heart. And remember, he's praying for us as readers. So what's he praying? If we continue on, verses uh, 16 through 17 say this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. We're going to pause there for a second. His prayer is that we experience the strength and power that comes with the indwelling of the Spirit. 
So much so that Christ would dwell in our hearts, which would result in us being, what? Rooted and grounded in love. Now, as much as that sounds great, and it does, it can be a little bit confusing if you consider the letter in its entirety up until this point. If you consider Ephesians up until this point, and if you've been with us, you might remember in chapter 1, Paul tells us that Christians have Christ in them. That by being a Christ follower, Christ is in you. So what does he mean here? Why in the world would he pray for Jesus' followers to have what they already have? He's already said you have Christ in you. So why now pray that you have Christ in you? In fact, pray so fervently and with emotion that in fact it drives him to his knees. It doesn't make any sense. Unless... Unless something deeper is happening here. Paul, as we'll see more clearly in a moment, is is praying. (laughs) As we'll see here in a moment, Paul is praying that we don't simply have Jesus in our lives, but that we actually experience him and his love. That we experience him and his love. Scripture is clarifying that we can know and even believe something we haven't allowed to impact our lives. Think about that for a second. It's kind of scary, honestly. Scripture's clarifying that we can know and even believe something that we haven't allowed to impact our lives. There was a woman named Sylvia Bloom. Sylvia Bloom uh, was a secretary uh, for a high-powered, influential, wealthy person in New York City. In fact, she she served as his secretary for 76 years in New York City. And something interesting about Sylvia Bloom, um, one of the roles and responsibilities that she had for her wealthy boss was that from time to time he would make investments and ask that she would call his broker to make those investments. And he was a wealthy man, and so she started to think, you know what? How about when I make these investments for him and make that call, I just mark down what it is that I'm asking, that I'm being asked to do, and maybe I can do it in a smaller denomination. And so she began to do that for 67 years. Whenever he made an investment, she would mimic it at a much smaller amount, but she would mimic it nonetheless. So time went by, and in 2016, she had amassed $9 million as a result of the investments that her boss had made and kind of directed uh, unknowingly to her. She was a millionaire. In 2002, some 14 years earlier, her husband passed away working three full-time jobs, uh, sorry, one full-time job and two part-time jobs trying to make ends meet. Um, They ride the subway and in fact, they live in a very small apartment in a rent-controlled environment. They were living like poor people. When family found out how much she had, uh, how much wealth she had amassed, they came to her at now 95 years old, trying to get her kind of life in order with her impending passing. And uh, they started to read the paperwork. They could not believe it. Like, uh, you're a millionaire. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And they're like, why are you living like this? You have over $9 million. And the only thing that she would say is, I know but I'm nervous to spend it. A millionaire passed away living like a poor person at the age of 96. Her husband died some 14 years earlier working his fingers to a bone, never knowing 
the amount of wealth that they had amassed. This person was incredibly wealthy and died like a poor person. They knew that they had access to something, but they had never allowed it to change their lives. Think about that. We hear that, we're like, what? You've got to be kidding me. It's a tragedy. Like, that's the worst story I've ever heard, Claude. Like, that is devastating. But that's what Paul is saying to you and me. Not monetarily, but rather in love and power. He's saying you're not, you're not realizing what you have access to. You're loved and you have the Holy Spirit. And Christians might sit there and go, mm, amen, I know, what a great reminder. I'm loved, mm, I feel loved. Holy Spirit, hallelujah. <laughs> I want to submit to you as much as you might amen that and be really excited. We know it, but we haven't experienced it. And the evidence is we leave this place week after week searching for love and grasping for power. Like poor people, trying to make the ends meet. And all the time, we're millionaires. Here we, as Christ followers, come to this place and we go out and we search for love in all the wrong places. We grasp for power. We try to find meaning in groups of people. Like, love me. I'm important, right? I mean, I'm powerful, aren't I? We search for love and we grasp for power. Do you see it? Do you see how we might be missing it altogether? That very much like Sylvia Bloom, we might be living our one and only lives, just not accessing what we have access to? You see, if you're fully known and fully loved, then you're anchored by that. Paul says you're rooted and grounded by it. That you live life with a sense of stability and peace. You have a strength and a power that transcends your circumstances. You don't need the love and acceptance of others because you are fully loved, known, and accepted by your Heavenly Father. Paul's prayer is that you, that, that we experience that. That we don't simply know it, but that we experience it. Listen, life is hard. We all know that. And it's dangerous. Of all people, Paul knew this. We talked a little bit about this last week. Paul was beaten several times. He was whipped several times. He shipwrecked several times. I mean, the dude was pretty unlucky if you're just going by life. Like, like, let's not go wherever Paul's going. Why? It seems like he gets beat up, thrown in prison, or shipwrecked somewhere. He's constantly bearing the consequences of what it is that he's living for. But get this. He's on his knees praying with emotion in a prison. He's praying for you. And he's not praying for your safety. He knows how dangerous the world is. He's not praying, God, just keep them safe. No, he's not doing that. He doesn't pray for provision. He's not like, Lord, would they, if they would just never want for anything. No, it's not about provision. He doesn't pray about any specific situations or circumstances. Instead, he prays for something far more important than all of that. Far more important than all of that. Continuing on in verse 18. He says, Grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's saying that's what matters. That's what it is that I need to lean in and pray emphatically for. 
We look at the word to comprehend. It says, have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth. Comprehend and know the love of Christ. We tend to think of comprehend in the context of knowledge. Like if you comprehend it, you understand it, right? You, you get it, if you will. But that's not what the word comprehend in the Greek means. The word comprehend in the Greek means actually to grasp or to lay hold of. This word is used to indicate the idea of wrestling. So the, the verb, the way that the verb is used here, it doesn't mean wrestle with God. So you might think like that uh, to comprehend the love of God, that we need to wrestle with him until we understand it. That's not what it's talking about. The way the verb is used, it means that we'd wrestle, get this, with ourselves. We'd wrestle with ourselves. See, this is far more important than knowledge of something. This means that as you grip, as you lay hold of, as you grasp the love of Christ, that love, in turn, grips you. That it's the idea of a wrestling match, that you're laying hold of one another, that as you understand, that as you fully grasp or or grasp the love of Christ, that that love, in turn, grips your heart, that it changes you. Remember the first time our kids tried certain foods. Um, some of them, you know, super entertaining and laughable. But Meredith and I are, are kind of foodies, if you will, and we love uh, all different types of food. And we love to expose our kids to different types of food, uh, very young ages. And um, one time in particular stuck with me. I asked for his permission to share it. Um, it's nothing exotic or special. I remember when our son Gideon. Uh, was cautious to try bacon. Um, It smelled good to him, obviously, right? So it smelled good to him, and his family, his sisters were like, oh my goodness, Gideon, you're going to love it. His parents were saying, it's amazing. But he looked at this crinkled up, disturbing looking piece of meat, and he just wasn't sure. I remember him taking pause, and um, (laughs) I said to him, but are you nervous? And he's like, no, no, I mean, I know I'm going to like it. Then try it. He's like, okay. And so he took a bite, and I remember his face like lit up. It was a watershed moment for Gideon. His life was forever changed. He, for the first time, experienced bacon, and he became an immediate bacon lover. In fact, he's the only person I've ever met in my life that goes to a restaurant. And when asked, would you like a side of fries or mashed potatoes or salad, he says, can I have a side of bacon? And depending on what restaurant we go to, the waiter is sometimes very impressed and ensures that he does, in fact, get a side of bacon. We're we're watching his health even at his nine-year-old age. (laughs) He loves bacon. Here's the deal. He knew it was good, but he didn't really know that it was good. So you see the difference? There's a difference between knowing something and experiencing it. You can have everyone around telling you, listen, it's amazing, it's so good. And you're like, oh no, I know, I know. You're like, try it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? I believe you, it's good. The psalmist in Psalm 34 actually says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because we kind of keep God at arm's length sometimes. It's like, oh, we know he's a good God. Well, come on, then, then, then pursue the Lord with all your life. Yeah, no, 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 I mean, he's good. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll see you at church. Knowing versus experiencing. Listen, God loves you. I know you may know it, but have you experienced it? It's not passive. 
Have you grasped it? Have you wrestled with the implications of being loved by Christ? Have you allowed Christ's love to grip you, to rearrange and to reorient the the priorities of your life, the affections of your heart? Does it mess with you? Does it grip you? Or are you so gripped by the things of this world and the worries and the concerns that you're missing out on the strength and the stability and the identity that's offered to you? Are you living like a pauper when really you're a millionaire? Has the gospel gripped your life? Now there's a danger here. The danger is to separate things God never intended to be separated. There's the knowledge of God's love and the experiencing of God's love. Here's the deal. It's not an either or. It's a both and. I'm not talking about the shallow puffing up of intellect. That we would be so certain about the things of God that we know it have this shallow engagement. I'm also not talking about this shallow experiential faith where we just feel God's presence, but we don't really understand much of anything except we're just, we're just feeling God's presence. No, it's both. Doctrine is the root, the anchor. And that's what Paul has talked about in the first two chapters, that doctrine is the root, the anchor, the strength. But the feeling is the experience of his power in and through your life. It's the action of of what it is you believe being played out in every area of your life. It's both. It's both. So if we take a second, we kind of put all of this together. Paul isn't talking or praying about circumstances or situations. If you remember, he talked about the seriousness of different situations that he found himself in, but that's not what he's praying about. He's praying about something far more important. Because if you grasp that God loves you, if you realize that he loves you so much that he paid your sin debt, expecting nothing in return. Think about that. We love conditionally, but God loved expecting nothing in return. In fact, he died for you while you were his enemy. Still sinners. The only thing we bring to salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. God expects nothing in return. And so he loves. And Paul is saying that's what we need to wrestle with. That's the gospel. That's what we need to grab a hold of and we have to let it grab a hold of our heart. You see, if you grasp that, if you grasp the gospel, it grips you and you're forever changed. You then love, not seeking love, but because you are loved. It's completely different than the world around us. The world around us loves in order to be loved. But a person that's, that's gripped the depth of how loved we are by Christ, we love not seeking love, but because we are loved. You see, the gospel, as you walk with all the saints, loved, that that truth informs how you respond and react in all circumstances and situations. The reason why Paul isn't talking about your safety or your health or your provision or all the things he could have been praying about is because he's addressing the root issue. And it's driving him to his knees because he's thinking, listen, if if only, if only you can grasp this. If you could just understand and wrestle with the reality of how desperately God loves you and allow it to grip your heart. And it informs everything else you'll deal with in this world. It's how you find contentment and peace while in a Roman prison. It's how you find joy in moving forward in the will of God while being shipwrecked. 
It's how we live in this world, not of it, but influencing it. It's not because of our best efforts. It's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to be loved. And it always falls short. So the outflow of a life transformed by the gospel is love. I don't mean enabling. You know, sometimes in our world we've, we've kind of perverted the concept of what it is to love one another. I don't mean enabling others. And I don't mean tolerant of sin. I'm talking about us becoming one who speaks the truth in love to ourselves and to others. That we would love ourselves in the sense that we would speak the truth of the gospel. That we would allow the gospel to sift our heart and realize, oh my goodness, why do I have an affection towards something so temporal and meaningless? God, would you reorient the affections of our heart? And that we would be truth speakers in love to those around us. You see, love for God means love for people. If you're out there and you're like, oh, I love the Lord, praise the Lord, I can't stand me some people, (laughs) then you don't love the Lord. And that's just the way it is. Scripture says it. So if you've got a problem with with people, then you have a problem with your Savior. You haven't allowed the the gospel to grip your heart. And you're like, oh, I, I love people as long as they don't bother me too much. They just stay in their lane and I'll stay in mine. But God has sent you, Christ Father, to be an influencer to your spheres of influence. To be people that love one another. That are trying to speak the truth of hope and joy. And all too often, we put the blinders on. Like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm just, I'm trying to earn right now. Can you get out of my way? I'm just trying to get my job done so I get my paycheck. So I can try to retire someday. Because that's what this one and only life is all about. Wow. No, if we could just wrestle with what it means to be loved by God. And allow it to reorient the priorities of our heart and mind. All of a sudden, we realize how desperately loved we are by God. We cannot, cannot withhold love from others. See, the world loves with expectation. But the gospel teaches us to love with the expectation of nothing in return. You don't have to muster it up. It's not about trying to love people. We love Because we're loved. We love because we're loved. Do you know how loved you are? Have you wrestled with the gospel? Have you allowed Jesus to shine the light into the areas of the lies that well-meaning people have spoken over your life? Things you've said, yeah, but I'm worthless though, really. I fall short. I, I let God down a lot. He loves you. He loves you steeped in your sin. A hot mess. He went to a cross and died for you while you were his enemy. He wove you together in your mother's womb. He has a plan and a purpose for you. This is your one and only life, and God is trying to give you a vision and a purpose for your life. Don't be distracted by the lesser things of this world. We love because we are loved. And if we allow the gospel to awaken our hearts, we can love with the expectation of nothing in return. Which leads us to our application. Because the text requires something of every one of us. And the application, I want you to leave this place at some point today asking yourself is this. How will I love to my own deficit this week? How will I love to my own deficit this week? 
That sounds completely counterintuitive, right? Like, wait, what? My own deficit. I'm not talking about being taken advantage of. I'm talking about the context of what it is that the, the scripture has just revealed, that we would be people that love with the expectation of nothing in return. And so that if nothing is returned to us, that we count it a deficit for God's, for God's grace, that we're a part of the mission of what God's doing, that we would love recklessly, if you will, in the sense of caring for people, caring for people that don't deserve it maybe, people that God loves, that, he, that they've placed, God has placed strategically and sovereignly in your sphere of influence, that you would have grace and mercy for them, that you would display love when they expect judgment. Again, not an enabling love, not a tolerant love, a truth love. Speaking the truth in love. I want us to, to bow our heads and contemplate what this looks like in our lives. The worship team's going to make their way up. I don't want you to be distracted as they come. You can keep your eyes open if you want or just bow your heads and, and close your eyes if you are able to do that without disengaging. For some of us, today the, the application has to start with our own surrender. We haven't allowed the love of Christ to impact our own lives, and so how in the world could we love others? And so today, maybe your application has to begin by surrendering to the Lord. By asking Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. To maybe help you realize how loved you are. If that's you, it begins with a, a prayer of repentance. It doesn't have to be any specific words that you repeat, but just the idea that you would acknowledge that you're a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner. You died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. That's how you begin a relationship with the Lord. And if you're praying that prayer here today, I'd, I'd love a conversation with you to help you understand what the next steps could be. Maybe the next steps table following this gathering, we can talk for others that might be watching or listening to this later on. I want to encourage you to reach out through the website or maybe email us so we can talk about the next steps as you continue in your journey. For others of us that have already crossed that line of salvation, maybe the application looks like giving of yourself and walking in love. It means maybe something counterintuitive. Spending money on, on someone without ever getting something in return. Just to love them. It's just to show them that God loves them enough to disrupt your day. Maybe it means being a peacemaker. The idea of, of loving the unlovable. Man, it seems like there's a lot of unlovables in the world, huh? It's amazing how we never identify ourselves as an unlovable. <laughs> but that we be peacemakers. Maybe we lay down some pride. We love to our own deficit. We get inconvenienced by people. Maybe it means love as a testimony. Being able to, to speak to somebody about the love that we've experienced as a testimony of God's grace in our own life. As a story of influence. How will I love to my own deficit this week? 
Let's just pray before we respond and worship to the Lord today. Heavenly Father, come before you and we ask that you would have a divine move in and through our lives. Father, we simply declare ourselves available to not only um, walk in the love that you are expressing to us, but that we would be conduits of your love to those around us. Lord, that we would wrestle with the truth of the gospel and it would reorient the affections of our heart. God, that you would mess with our schedules, that you would mess with our lives. Lord, I pray that we would never be a people that are content with the status quo, that we wouldn't just go through our lives like robots, just going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next until we die. That we would be people that would be influencers and life changers, Lord. That we would be so transformed by the truth of the gospel that we would live our lives differently. And so we declare ourselves available to be your hands and feet. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Let's worship the Lord together. If you'd like to stand with us or if you want to stay seated, whatever you'd like to do, let's just sing about the love of God this morning. This afternoon. For God so loved the world and that he gave his only son that whosoever believes will not perish they shall have eternal life I shall hold and I shall hold
Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. 
Jesus, we go our way. That truly in you this week we would find our hiding place. That the craziness of life and the world and all the stuff that bombards us day after day would just take its rightful place next to, to you. That you would be the center of it all. It would all fall under you and not usurp your time and your authority in our lives. God, help us just be in your presence and find that hiding place. Give you the unashamed love that you deserve. Let all of our life tell of who you are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, we are officially dismissed today. Um, you are welcome to stay. We're going to play through this song again. You can stay and worship. Um, if you need prayer for anything, there's people here that can pray for you. Claude's going to be out the next step table if you want to take any next steps or have any questions for him. Um, but I just want to encourage you, continue to love on each other. Continue to apply the text and uh, love to your own deficit. Continue to bless people at Centerway. Love your neighbors and I don't know, maybe go and have dinner with somebody as you leave this place, but just stay in community. Stay rooted, stay planted, stay grounded in God's love today. We're excited to see you maybe this Wednesday if you're coming out for the vision meeting. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday, same time. Bye to everybody online. We love and miss you in the room. Um, but God bless you as you go every day.